Welcome back to Love Letters and Mixtapes. I am so glad you're here. This is a weekly podcast with new episodes every Sunday and Monday morning. The inspiration for this podcast was a desire to talk about things that our younger selves needed to hear, whether that was 30 years ago, 3 years ago, or yesterday. After listening to this episode, please make sure to subscribe on your favorite listening platform. Rate it and review it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Audible. And if you enjoy this episode, please consider sponsoring this podcast with a monthly donation by clicking the link in my Instagram bio at Love Letters and Mixtapes or scrolling down to the notes section of this episode. This week, I wanted to talk about something that feels pretty obvious, but can actually be a very complicated thing for so many of us. And that is connecting and getting comfortable with our sexuality. Now, before I begin, I want to say that everyone approaches their sexuality differently, which makes perfect sense given the fact that there are about 8 billion people in the world. In no way am I making blanket statements in this episode. In fact, I rarely ever do. I mostly spend my time on this podcast asking you questions. But when it comes to a topic like our sexuality, it can be triggering for a lot of people to hear any input, advice, feedback, or even questions. The topic is so layered, and when we step back and look at the Venn diagram of what contributes to our experience with our understanding and perception of our sexuality and sexual expression, we see that it's impacted by so many things, including our mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, and financial experiences. It's impacted by our trauma, our fear, and our anxiety. It's impacted by societal norms, taboos, and restrictions. All of these things are important, and yet they contribute to our commonality and our uniqueness in equal measure. So all of that to say, this is an invitation to a conversation about sexuality that honors nuance, personal experiences, and different paths. And while I have no control over how my words land, I can always do my best to remind everyone listening that establishing a foundation of understanding, empathy, and trust before diving into any complex topics will always benefit you as the speaker as much as it benefits whoever is listening to your words. Generalizations in conversations about sexuality always feel a bit dismissive and harmful. This conversation is about encouraging you to explore and connect with your own sexuality in ways that feel most comfortable for you. Now, why is this even a topic worth exploring? Sex is such a common part of life. We all know about it. Most of us experience it. Why even bother pausing in our lives to reflect on our experiences with our sexuality and sexual expression? Well, to start with, maybe because the things that we take for granted, the things that we engage in almost automatically, the things that we are encouraged to not really speak about, generally hold the most untapped nuance. And through exploring them, being curious, being open, pausing our judgment or our certainties, we could probably learn so much about ourselves, our relationships, and the world around us. So in this episode, I want to introduce four practices for connecting with your sexuality. Now you might think that the timing is off because 
Maybe you're not in a relationship right now or that your partner would not be open to even talking about this. So how could you possibly integrate anything from this episode? Well, let me be the first person to remind you that your sexuality and sexual expression have almost nothing to do with other people. And you do not need to be in partnership to begin learning more about your sexuality. This makes sense to so many of us, I'm sure, but how often do we automatically associate sexuality with otherness, with a person, with giving or sharing something? The very first step in connecting with our sexuality is remembering that our sexuality and our sexual expression belong to us. And I encourage you to pause while listening to this episode and remind yourself that this discussion is about you. It's about your wants, your needs, your interest, your comfort, your fears, your insecurities, your curiosity. If while I am speaking, you instantly imagine how you would experience these things with another person, I invite you to call yourself back home and into your body. The first practice is exploring how we learned about sexuality and sexual expression. And a very simple way to do this is to write the story of who, what, when, where, how, and why you were taught about sex, sexuality, and sexual expression. How did your caregivers discuss sex with you? What topics did they talk about? Which ones did they overlook? Which ones do you wish that they had spoken to you about? What were you taught about sexual health? What were you taught about communicating about sex? What were you taught about consent and boundaries? Which person in your life did you go to with questions about your sexuality or your sexual experiences? What was their response? Now you can hear me read these questions and shrug them off as unnecessary or stupid or think, what is the point of asking these things? What could I possibly learn by looking backwards? In fact, most of the times in my own life that I have had discussions about sexuality or sexual expression with partners, that is always their first reaction. And whether this is rooted in shame fear, or insecurity, or if no one they've ever been in a relationship with has ever talked to them about sex before, either during, before, or after having sex with them. Whatever it is, their response can come off as irritation and defensiveness. They tend to immediately turn the tables to take the attention off themselves because the topic is new, it's unknown, and it requires self-reflection, honesty, and vulnerability, and they don't know how they will be perceived. So if your initial response to me asking those questions was to be annoyed or embarrassed or confused as to how this has anything to do with your current experience with sexuality, then I have to tell you, it seems as if you might be in the right place listening to this podcast today because these questions help us to break down the barriers that we have within ourselves in a methodical and safe way. 
And if we cannot have these gentle conversations with ourselves and explore the stories we were told about sex or the stories that we began to tell ourselves about sex, then how can we detach from those stories and open up to the possibility that we don't know what we don't know? And how can we open up and have these conversations with our partners? Asking these questions may reveal some things that maybe we have not been aware of, or it may challenge some of the norms and taboos we have around sexuality. For many of us, we begin to explore our sexuality as kids and preteens, and then we just hit the ground running in adolescence. And then it's almost as if in adulthood, we will have failed if we have questions or curiosity about sex after a certain age. We are instantly divided into categories. Either we are very sexual or we are asexual. Either we are good in bed or we're bad in bed. Either we are really boring or we're really into kink. So these questions invite us to shed those identities and to lay a foundation for looking at our sexuality or sexual expression from a place of neutrality. The second practice that I would explore once I had completed that first one is a sex inventory. And if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know that I love a good inventory because it feels like an empowering and safe way to develop some self-awareness around our habits, our patterns, our triggers, and our character defects. And it allows us to evolve and grow at a really healthy and gentle pace. So for a sex inventory, I would start with my earliest relationships or sexual experiences and work my way up to the present date. And for each relationship or experience, I would ask myself, what were my motives for getting involved with this person? What has my conduct in this relationship been? What were the major changes, hurdles, or experiences that happened in this relationship? How did this relationship end? How did I behave as it was ending? How have I behaved toward this person since? In what ways was I selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? Did I harm anyone? Did I arouse jealousy, bitterness, or suspicion? Where was I at fault? What could I have done differently? I know that a sex inventory or any kind of inventory can be a little challenging at first because we are inventorying our behavior, our thoughts, our actions. So even in that inventory, we're not checking in about what the other person did. We're only looking at ourselves. A sex inventory also does not have to be completed in one sitting. This is a very powerful practice that's likely to bring up a lot of feelings and memories, so there's no need to rush through it. It's an opportunity for us to be very present with ourselves, especially with the past versions of ourselves that we may not be comfortable with. Inventories are never about punishing ourselves. They are about awareness, compassion, 
and a commitment to take contrary action in the future. And conducting a sex inventory doesn't automatically change our behavior. What it changes is our awareness of it. Because from the moment we finish our inventory, we can no longer say that we didn't know these things about ourselves. And we can continually identify opportunities to make different choices. The third practice is where we begin to shift out of top-down processing and move into bottom-up experiences. And by that I mean we put down the pen and paper, we turn off our analytical minds, and we set aside time to soften into our bodies and either think or meditate or daydream about what it is that we like with respect to sex, sexuality, and sexual expression. And you might immediately think, I already know what I like. I don't need to do this. But as with every practice I suggest in this episode, I invite you to approach this from a position of neutrality. Because so often we mistake what we are used to or what we think we should do with what we want. And it isn't until we take that sacred pause and drop into our bodies, turn off our minds, and turn down the volume on the voice in our head that says, that's how this is supposed to be, or that's too weird, or no one wants to do that, or you shouldn't want that, that we can actually begin to explore this side of ourselves. There's a big possibility that we actually don't even know what we want, or we don't know what we like, or we don't even know what we don't like. Maybe we haven't even allowed ourselves to be curious about our sexuality or think about the things that we want to try or to come to terms with things that we never want to do. Have we even allowed ourselves to think about the things that we are too afraid to ask for or too self-conscious to mention to anyone and why we have that hesitation or those feelings of shame or embarrassment or why are we having sex with people that we can't be vulnerable with? I encourage you to allow yourself to think about these things. Think about the things that you've read about, heard about, watched, tried, liked, or wanted more of. Really use these moments of dropping into your body to explore everything from kink to fantasies to positions, role plays, dynamics, toys, outfits, anything. Think about anything you've ever considered. Are there things that you want to say or do during sex that you haven't tried? Is there a way that you want to be treated? Is there a way that you want to feel during sex? And again, you might say to yourself, well, isn't that obvious? I want to feel good. But good, in quotes, is different for every single person every single time they have sex or express themselves sexually. So every time you find yourself hitting a block within yourself or meeting some resistance, I encourage you to just be very gentle and to allow yourself to think and daydream about what it is that you want. And once you have practiced this a few times and you feel as if you have a little more information about yourself, I encourage you to think about how you have responded when someone else expressed something about their sexuality or their preference or they asked for something during a sexual experience. Did you make fun of them? 
Did you listen to them? Did you communicate with them? Did you shame them? Did you create a safe space for them to reveal and express themselves? And I encourage you to think about this because it can help us to have compassion for ourselves and to empathize with other people. The fourth practice is another method of bottom-up processing. And this includes exploring our bodies in three ways. One, through observation and mirror work. Two, with self-massage or non-sexual touch. And three, with masturbation. And I know that all of these practices can bring up different feelings of resistance within us. And I never encourage anyone to do anything that makes them feel uncomfortable in a harmful way. But if our discomfort is rooted in newness and in curiosity, then that might be something to continue with and explore. So the first part of this is observation and mirror work. And what does that mean? That means that I encourage you to find a time and to set up a space where you feel most comfortable and where you won't be interrupted. And you set up this space in a way that works for you. The lighting you want, the temperature you want, whatever feels most comfortable. Then place a mirror in front of you and slowly begin to undress until you are naked. But this is not a process that we rush through. We aren't racing to a finish line. We take our time and observe our form in the mirror. And we really make space for and meet all of the feelings that rise up as we begin to see ourselves unclothed. Am I nervous? Am I turned on? Am I embarrassed? Am I ashamed? Am I comfortable? Do I feel comfortable in my own body? Do I feel comfortable looking at my own body? And I'm not asking these questions because I think that everyone has to have the same exact feeling. It's not about uniformity. I'm asking these questions because this helps to inform our experience with sex and sexual expression. Also, the more we become familiar with looking at our own bodies, we may desensitize ourselves to the feelings of shame or embarrassment that come up when we allow other people to see us this way. Those initial waves of societal programming that you're going to notice when you look in the mirror that are telling you that you are supposed to look different. You're supposed to be more fit. You're supposed to be thinner. You're supposed to be taller. You're supposed to be curvier. You're supposed to align with some other ideal. All of these things begin to slowly shift as we deepen our experience with comfort in our bodies. And maybe this is just the time and space for all of that to come out for you to meet all of those thoughts and feelings so that you're not meeting them for the very first time when you're having sex with someone else. The second part of this is self-massage or non-sexual touch. Now, why is this important? Because sexual stimulation is not the only way to feel good in our bodies. And for some reason, so many of us were not taught that and we can feel bad if we think that the only way to feel good is through an orgasm during a sexual experience. That's a pretty narrow margin for positive feelings in our bodies. And it also really limits our concept of foreplay or intimacy with ourselves or with other people. 
I have a practice that I absolutely love and that I've done for a really long time. And whenever I'm feeling out of sorts or I'm not grounded in my body or I'm not really loving my body or I'm at war with my body, I take a bath or a shower. And then when I'm done, I massage oil into my skin from my feet up to the crown of my head. And I love doing this. And it's something that can almost sound kind of weird to someone else. Like that's so self-indulgent. And I'm like, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> I'm taking care of myself. It's so relaxing. It's so grounding. It helps me to be really present and loving with my body. And I always feel so nurtured after. So definitely give that a try if this is completely new to you and you never do those things to take care of your body in that way. That's a really approachable and easy thing to do. And the third and final part of this practice is masturbation or self-stimulation. Now, I know that a lot of people have some big reservations about this. And I know that because I have absolutely no reservations about this. And every single conversation I've ever had with friends or partners about sexuality, it always comes to a screeching halt when I bring up masturbation. It's almost as if we are taught to think that exploring our own bodies, knowing what makes us feel good, not relying on another person to make us feel good, is taboo or wrong or dirty or weird. Personally, I don't think it's any of those things, but I honor that we all have different feelings about sex and what feels right to us. And if we bring shame into any aspect of sexuality, and it's not some like fun kinky sex game, <laughs> it's actual real shame, then that's harmful and it's unkind. But it's interesting to note the resistance to talking about masturbation, even with partners, something that almost everyone does or has done or wants to do and it has this like creepy energy around it which i will never understand i have no idea why i'm so immune to feeling uncomfortable talking about sex but i am i'm pretty much immune so if you want to make me feel bad you might have to come at me from a different angle and any time i have spoken about this with partners or friends my thought is this why am I surrendering all of my power, comfort, enjoyment, pleasure, and sexuality over to someone else to figure it out? Why wouldn't I want to know myself, my own body, what makes me feel good? Why would that be a bad thing? Wouldn't that bring a whole other element of comfort and alignment in my own sexuality? whether I was having sex with another person or not. So in this step, I encourage this. Explore your own body without shame, without guilt, without the tape playing in your head that says you can't or you shouldn't do this, and just connect with yourself. See what you like and want. And this is a really important part of it. Pay attention to how different this feels than it does with a partner. Are you more or less comfortable? Does it feel more or less intense? Does your body respond differently than it does when you're with a partner? Do you feel less or more relaxed? 
All of the answers to these questions will help to amplify your sexual experiences and your sexual expression. I think one of the reasons that I was inspired to even make this episode was because I was watching that reboot of that show on HBO that everyone was obsessed with. I think we were all hate watching it. But in the first episode, this married couple that's been together for like 25 years is having the most awkward conversation about sex. And they can't even admit to each other that they masturbate or that they have fantasies. And then the husband masturbates in front of the wife for the first time in 25 years of them being together. And the bonus of this is that the wife is a sex columnist. And I just thought, man, if this is where we're at, that we can be married to someone for 25 years and never talk about our fantasies, never talk about sexuality, never talk about masturbation, I'll take it on myself to make an episode about this. <laughs> so <laughs> I hope it's helpful and I hope that it resonated with you. I hope you listen and engage in some of the practices. I really hope that this episode helps you to feel more comfortable in your body and invites you to connect with yourself on a deeper level and maybe takes away some of the stigma about that. And remember, we can practice these things whether we have a partner or not. And maybe when you reach a new level of comfort, you might be the one to introduce these things to your next partner. So until next week, make sure to hit the follow button on your favorite podcast listening platform. You can join me on Instagram and TikTok for daily journal prompts at Love Letters and Mixtapes. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider making a monthly donation to support this podcast by clicking the link in my Instagram bio or scrolling down to the notes section of this episode.